guys, welcome back to the Get Start Podcast. I'm back with my good friend Caleb Feist. We're going to talk today about the NBA playoffs. A really exciting time to be an NBA fan, follower, supporter. And uh, yeah, let's just dive right in. Caleb, how are we doing today? Uh, doing well. Beautiful day. Beautiful Friday yes. here in Lawrence, Kansas. It's going to be a good weekend. Um, let's get, I'm looking forward to talking some NBA and then watching some NBA tonight. Absolutely. It's a day filled with the NBA. And the first game we're going to dive into is the Eastern Conference 4-5 matchup. We got the Indiana Pacers, Cleveland Cavaliers. Game six tonight. Does Indiana stand a chance? Do they stand a chance tonight or do they stand a chance in the series? We'll start with tonight. Um, I think they do stand a chance tonight going back home. Uh, they've shown that they've, uh, every game they've kind of competed with Cleveland uh, for four quarters. And I think, you know, they have a chance tonight at home. Obviously, uh, the other team has LeBron James and the Pacers have Victor Oladipo. That's when you're trying to, as we saw in, uh, the, the previous game, that's who they kind of go to on their for their last shot, and there's obviously an advantage to Cleveland there. Big time, yeah. It's kind of crazy to see how much Oladipo is really broken out with the Pacers, though, you know? Paul George and him kind of flip-flopped, and he's become this, not a superstar, but he's definitely an all-star, um, kind of a guy that you can lean on, like you said, late in the game. Unfortunately, LeBron James is yeah, definitely a freak. not a slide on uh, Victor by any means. He's had a great year, and I think he's going to have a, a good career. But it's LeBron. It's LeBron. It's LeBron James, who still is the best player in the world, and I don't think that can be contended with. No, and it, but it it does show that Cleveland's kind of in some trouble because it's taken kind of a you know LeBron Herculean effort to get them a lead in this series. You know, last game he scored 44 points. I think he had eight assists, 10 rebounds, almost a triple-double, and they won him on the last second of yeah. the game because of a three-pointer that he made. So, I mean, it took literally a game from like that from LeBron to win at home. That's a good point, yeah. And they made all those moves in the middle of the year, too, with the Lakers and the Jazz, and they're acquiring all these guys who now you look at the box score and they're not really even contributing. Kevin Love isn't even doing much, and – it's just it's kind of a question of how long can LeBron do this for? Is, is he going to even get this team to the NBA Finals? I mean, we can discuss that more later, but he is leading the playoffs with 34.8 points per game. I think he's the best player in the world. I don't think there's anybody who is on that level and the ability that he has to just carry a team single-handedly. Originally, I said I thought James Harden was the MVP this season. The more I look at it, the more I think about it. I, I don't see any way you can't crown the king as the MVP again. Yeah, I think the uh, in, in a lot of sense, the NBA MVP award has kind of became the best player besides LeBron. Mm-hmm, it really has. Uh, it kind of goes without saying how valuable LeBron is to your team and how you know he's drugged teams to, I think, seven straight um, finals. Eight right. makes it this year. Some of those teams with a lot of talent. Um, this one, not so much. If he does the same thing, be one of the more impressive feats of his career, I would say. Um, besides that 07, his first finals were literally, I can't name another player. Yeah, no so, kidding. Um, Teron Lu. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Harden may win the award, but I think, you know, if you were to anybody that ever wanted one player to be to build a team around right now, it'd be LeBron. It's LeBron James, no doubt. And that kind of begs the question as to why does he get so much hate? You know, do human beings just hate to see other people succeed that much that that they just had to bring him down because I mean he's been a quality guy throughout his career he's donated millions of dollars to help 
um, educate kids, build schools. He's been loyal and faithful to his wife and his home state and city. Um, you know, there's not really any reason to dislike the guy, yet he's one of the most hated people in sports. Yeah. People, I mean, it's true. Everything you said is true. And then there's these things, you know, like the decision, um, the way LeBron can act on the court, um, you know, his his perception that way. You know, he's the he's the new age superstar, and a lot of people that are still like uh, you know, harkening back to the '80s and '90s basketball. They don't. LeBron plays. He's a different player. He's a different style. Maybe um, they don't. You know, like all those antics. Or I mean, there's as a player, he's he's a joy to watch. As a as a star, he's great for the league. But um, there's a level of hateability to him just because, yeah, he is he is the face of an entire generation of basketball. And uh, there's just, you know, a lot of uh, people that harken back to those Jordan days and that they see LeBron as the threat to those memories. And mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking there is that there are so many strong Jordan supporters. And for some reason, we feel the need to debate Jordan versus LeBron. I don't think... It's even something that needs to be posed. Um, but because of that, they are very stubborn, and they think that he's kind of stepping on Jordan's turf. And uh, then Kobe can get brought into the conversation. But they're all different players. And they've all advanced the game in numerous ways, and I think we should all be thankful for them for that. Absolutely. Appreciate them while we while we have them. Yeah, we need to celebrate LeBron because, I mean, games like that Game 5 are um, – you know, you you don't see that very often. That's a pretty special performance. And quit urinating on that performance by saying he goaltended the Oladipo shot. Not yeah, even. I, I, I mean, don't, I don't think so. The league ruled that technically it was a goaltend, but you know what? The shot that he made to win the game that was a three. Oladipo shot at the rim. That's a two. LeBron still wins. <laughs> yeah, it's a dub either way. Moot point. <laughs> Moving on, we've got the Wizards, the eighth seed, and the Toronto Raptors, the number one seed. I kind of thought that Toronto was. Uh, not your typical number one seed. Um, the Wizards have been playing them tough, and they have an opportunity tonight to even the series. But what do you what do you think? Do you think it's going to go back to Toronto for Game Seven, or do you think the Raptors can close it out tonight? Well, as we were walking up the hill to record this podcast, my my phone delivered some information. It told me that Otto Porter Jr. was out for tonight's game. So, no, the Wizards stand zero chance of beating the Raptors. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically my analysis of this series to this point. I really haven't watched um, much of it. They're always playing on, like, NBA TV, or Mm -hmm. I think tonight they're on, like, ESPN News. You have to kind of go out of your way to watch this. That's frustrating. I am looking forward to – I do hope the Raptors win this series and have to play the Cavs in the next round because I do think that would be a fun series to watch. Because, you know, the Raptors had this great regular season, but the Cavs kind of had their number throughout that regular season and have done so in the playoffs in the years past, too. But so this year, the Cavs look a little more vulnerable and the Raptors are perceived to be this top seed. So I think that that would be a fun matchup. So I'm hoping that Toronto closes it out tonight. I agree. Yeah, I think that would be a really fun matchup as well. And I think this matchup, uh, poses some really exciting players, obviously, of John Wall, Bradley Beal, um, Kelly Oubre from KU. I think he threw down on a monster jam the other night, which was pretty cool. Um, the Wizards also have the Mike Scott, who is leading the Mike, Scott. the Mike Scott, who's leading the playoffs with a 68% field goal percentage. So I'm going to say that he's the X Factor. If Mike Scott gets a roll in tonight, a lot of people might not know who that is, but Washington Wizards Mike Scott. He uh, 
He's had some big games in this series, and when he plays well, the Wizards have won. So that's what they're going to need, especially without Otto Porter. Also, Kelly Oubre is going to really have to step up. And I mean, John Wall is one of the most talented players in the NBA, so he's he's a kind of guy who can lead you to victory. Yeah, and the, I think if you're, I know there's a lot of college basketball fans that um, are friends of ours and probably listen to this. And if you look at the Raptors bench, you've got Fred Van Fleet, you know, mm. a four-year guy from Wichita State. You've got Delon Wright from from Utah. Yeah. Um, you've got that other guy. Hurdle or whatever from Utah. Also, you have all these guys that were like really prominent college players. You have OG from Indiana, yes. who, who's a great player. Missed most of his final year of college with an injury, but has been awesome off the bench. So a lot of a lot of recognizable um, college stars on that Toronto bench, and they're, they're really fun to watch. Definitely. And then DeRozan and Lowry are both guys who don't get talked yeah. about nearly enough. I mean, they just they make plays. They're really quality guys, and um, I, I like to see him succeed. So. I mean, I hope they can go on and beat the Cavaliers, honestly. But we'll see. We'll see if they can get past the Wizards. I would love to see a Toronto crowd in a uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, gosh. or even in a, even in a, a deep playoff series against LeBron, I think it'd be insane. The Maple Leaf Square would be um, would be popping. No doubt. And I mean, that'd be really good for the city of Toronto too, who they've been going through a lot this week. Yeah. Um, so, Definitely. moving on to the third series that we'll be discussing out in the Western Conference, Oklahoma City taking on Utah. Utah is a tough squad, maybe one of the biggest surprises in the NBA this season. Um, They've got a chance to close it out tonight. Do you think Russ and Paul George have got enough to galvanize the Thunder? Um, No, sorry, I do not. I I think that uh, this may, you know, before I say that, I should say that this may be one of those cases where Utah regrets not closing OKC out in game five like they should have. They were up big in like the third quarter and then kind of, um, you know, Russ and Paul George started kind of playing hero ball and dug mm-hmm. him out of that. I do think Utah's a better all-around team. Um, Gobert kind of changes everything when he's in there on defense, you know, especially at the rim. And that's what a lot of Russ's game is built around. He's kind of caused problems there. So I do. Th- I still think Utah's a better team than that they'll win this series. But um, if OKC, you know, wins tonight, <coughs> then Utah might be really uh, regretting that that blown game five. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and like you said, Gobert, I think, is kind of almost unanimously the best defender in the league. I mean, everybody just kind of goes by that at this point, and the way that Utah plays is very fundamental, and they're a true team. It doesn't seem like there's anybody who kind of dominates. And I'd love to see that they've got a rookie, Donovan Mitchell, who's kind of stepped up and become – Almost kind of their go-to guy yeah, late, late in the game. Absolutely their go-to guy. Yeah. I, uh, back to Gobert real quick before I forget this point is that I heard the stat yesterday about their game five loss. Um, Gobert was obviously in foul trouble, so he had to sit a lot of that second half run that OKC made. But when he was on the floor, the the Thunder shot thirty three percent at the rim, and it's it went up you know like eighteen percent when he's mm. off the floor. So it becomes you know from nearly impossible to score at the rim or a lot less likely than they than it normally is to back to where easy OKC buckets. thrives or easy buckets. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's a great stat. I mean, he's got to stay out of foul trouble in that case, and I bet Russ is going to be attacking him right away then. That's yeah. going to be their game plan. Um, one more kind of question I want to pose you before we move on from this series. Should Carmelo Anthony step foot on the court in tonight's Game 6? 
Um, yes, I think so. Uh, he should be. <laughs> you have Carmelo Anthony. You kind of have to utilize him, especially when you you are pretty um, hurting for bench scoring. You know, Casey. You know, Raymond Felton. I believe gets minutes for that team. <laughs> uh, so yes, the answer is if you, if that's a theory we should all live by. If your team has both uh, Raymond Felton and Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> That Carmelo Anthony must play if Raymond Felton plays. <laughs> that's, that's the math I'm going to use on that one. That's fair. Uh, that that's sound math in my opinion. It's just it's just frustrating to see Melo kind of kill the flow and just take all these terrible shots. And I know he's got better basketball IQ than what he's displayed a lot of times in um, in the NBA. You know, a guy who won a championship in his one year playing college basketball and. Since he's gotten to the pros, he really hasn't done much in regards to like postseason runs or contributing, and it's just kind of kind of an interesting dynamic. But but he's great in the Olympics. He does play so well in the, the Olympics. The U.S. is very thankful for Olympic Carmelo. That's where he thrives. It's such an interesting case study. What an enigma! That's the word I'll give him. He's an enigma. He definitely is. Hey, uh, let's. Do you want to want to go to? Uh, to Boston for Game Seven. Yes, I Milwaukee do. Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, I do. So I was lucky enough to watch um, Game Six last night with Derek, um, and he was relatively confident and calm throughout. And I recall, I think third quarter, the Bucks went up. Uh, it was like 13, 14. 14, and he said, "We will see you in Boston." <laughs> and then Giannis comes out, and all of a sudden, it's a one-point game. And and Derek was a little bit. Uh, Quiet after that, but they, they, the Bucks, uh, you know, Giannis came back in, closed it out. Um, and so is the legend of Giannis just beginning? Was that a, le- was that a, was that a, uh, introduction to his, uh, Milwaukee Bucks documentary that they'll play in his Hall of Fame induction? I think so, man. The greatness of Giannis is just being exposed, you know. He last year we lost in game six, the exact same situation against the Raptors at home. So this is a big barrier that we kind of overcame and that now we're forcing a Game 7. Kind of a lot of pressure is on Boston now. We're going to be the visiting team. Uh, We've got some momentum. And I've said it the whole series. I think Milwaukee is clearly the more talented team, right? Boston doesn't have Kyrie. They don't have Gordon. So I think talent-wise, we match up really well with them, but they've just got that incredible coach in Brad Stevens, and we've got kind of a a minor league coach and Joe Prunty. So, I mean, that's that's going to be the biggest challenge is um, if you buy into the notion that coaches play a big role in sport, which I do, it's kind of tough when, when you've got a C or D level coach going against one of the top coaches in the game. But Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that Giannis is the best player in the series and it's, it's not really even close. And I don't know who, where you'd go after that. You know, um, Middleton's had a great series. Jabari Parker's starting to play really well. He's coming around. Um, Al Horford for Boston. I mean, who, who, who's tough. their go-to guy? That's what's tough, you know. Jalen Brown, Milwaukee maybe. Milwaukee knows where it's going when it needs to get a bucket. And yeah. I'm not sure Boston really does. They don't. Not right now. There's nobody. I mean, Rozier um, in the first couple of games really had a lot of confidence, and now he's fallen off. Bledsoe's kind of been trash, so they just kind of cancel each other out. Jalen Brown is somebody who's really impressed me. And I think Boston becomes potentially – the best or second best team in the East when they get back Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. I mean, it's going to be them and the 76ers. So do you think that your Bucks can go on the road to the Garden in Boston and win a Game 7 and uh, with a uh, 
trip to Philadelphia on the line. One hundred percent. I think it's going to be really tough. It's going to be a really tough matchup because you know Boston fans are they're abrasive and they're loud and and there's going to be a lot of number thirty four jerseys at the Garden, but. Uh, it's going to be a hostile environment for Paul a young Pierce Bucks team. Paul Pierce, no. <laughs> no. the Greek freak, man. Um, but I, I do think we're going to we're going to be there. I'm not going to make a bold prediction and say that we're going to win. Um, well, I kind of want to. I've, I mean, I feel like we will. I feel confident. I don't necessarily feel confident moving forward against the 76ers. That's a tough squad, but. I just get a feeling that we're going to finally win a playoff series, and I've said it a lot. I've been featured on this Bucks Leading Radio podcast, and go back to December, I've been saying this team's going to win a playoff series. they got a shot to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Little did I know that the 76ers were going to break out and become um, you know, the second coming of the Cavs or the Warriors even. I mean, that, that squad's got a lot of talent, but we'll deal with them after Saturday night. I'd say I think we do go to the Garden and – and get a really close, close win. Probably low 90s, mid 90s is the final score. Bucks and seven. Bucks and seven, man. Bucks and seven. Then we can get back to the Bucks and six hashtags once we get into a new series. <laughs> <laughs> but so to move forward from my team to your team, we're going to kind of go from a positive vibe to maybe a little more of a negative vibe. What in the hell happened to the Portland Trailblazers? Uh, you see, the, the beautiful thing about this year's Portland Trailblazers playoff appearance is that it was so short that people have already forgot it existed. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. And we've already focused on, you know, what a great series the uh, Warriors versus the Pelicans will be. And and now the Pelicans, you know, after they lost Boogie Cousins, now they have their, their sidekick because Drew Holiday, uh, you know, pounded Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum into submission. Um, on both ends of the floor. So now, you know, what the Blazers did was create a great narrative for the league by mm-hmm. by putting Anthony Davis against the against the Warriors, who, you know, were just doing the league favors by quietly bowing out. You know, we were the three seed in the West, but, could, you know, a few games away from being seven. So it really didn't mean all that much. Um, as you can tell, I'm just trying to downplay that uh, tragic <laughs> postseason, postseason appearance. Um, I was talking to my friend Dylan, big Blazer fan, about this the other day. Um, he thinks that or we, we saw a quote in an article that said, uh, if the Blazers want to continue to be really good for a long time, they can keep both Lillard and McCollum in their backcourt, and they'll be very good for a long time. But if they want a chance to be great, they're going to have to gamble, trade one of those guys, and try to flip it into more pressing needs. They need more shooting um, on the wing, you know. Uh, Al Farrokhamino can't be your your third shooting option. That's tough. Um, so you know it's it'll be an interesting off season for them for sure. But uh, like I said, the narrative set up perfectly. This Pelicans Warrior series is on a silver platter for the rest of uh, the NBA fans. You're gonna get to watch the Warriors in the East Coast time zone because you know New Orleans is New Orleans is further east than Portland. So you know all you uh, Midwest East Coast fans that don't want to stay up and watch the Blazers and Warriors for seven games, you don't have to. You get to watch the Warriors in in regular time. So. That's fascinating. That's a that's an interesting spin. Uh, oh yeah, it's all, all look at, yes. Look through it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, dude, I I mean I feel for you. Uh, I've experienced that with the Bucks on multiple occasions. The four and done. It's like a week, and and that's that. And it seems like you put so much time and energy and in the season and then it's it's over but 
I'm still uh, I'm very interested in continuing the discussions of uh, Jabari for C.J. McCollum trade once once the Buck season does conclude. So if we if we want to go back to that, yeah, we ha- we need Derek's uh, sources that we won't give away to to lend an ear to this discussion. Yes, we do. We're gonna push for that. But dude, so what's up? Rajon Rondo's averaging 13.3 assists per game in the postseason. I didn't even remember that he was playing for the Pelicans. Yeah, and now we get the we get to hear the um, mythology of playoff Rondo yep. a little bit more. But he was ridiculous in that series on both ends. Insane. Uh, he's a great passer. There's, there's no other way around. I mean, he, he dribbles too much. He does a lot of things that aren't very aesthetically pleasing, especially in the modern NBA where it's a lot of ball movement and shooting. But he, the things he does well, he does really well. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a pesky defender on ball handlers. Great passer. He can throw lobs to Anthony Davis all night um, especially when you know he's not getting pressured with the ball and he's dribbling but, um, yeah I mean he he's a pesky player I wish our friend Ollie was here with us he's a big big playoff Rondo guy yeah, he'd probably too. lend some good anal- better analysis more positive than I've got but uh, we'll, we'll see what he can do against the uh, Golden State backcourt man and then the last kind of topic for that series you know, the Pelicans played incredibly well. They're known as this team with the Twin Towers, with Boogie and Brow, but Boogie is out for the series. Is is it possible that, as we've discussed in the past, you know, you, you subtract a star, sometimes teams come together and play better. It's just the way the culture works. Are the Pelicans better without Boogie? Should they let him walk this summer? Uh, that's a good question. It's hard for me uh, to think logically about this because you you take away a player that has the talent of Boogie Cousins Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be better as a whole Um, there's a lot of external factors I think that go into that Um, I think it allowed Anthony Davis to kind of play in more a more dominant role Um, everything kind of runs through him but when those two are on the floor like that's impossible to defend too Um, it would have been a nightmare for I think especially for Golden State if Boogie was I mean they don't have they struggle rebounding. They struggle with size. Big time. And having those two guys, you know, against them, I think it could have caused them a lot of problems. But they didn't miss him against Portland. I guess that's the best thing I can say about that. I don't know if they're better, but they didn't miss him in that matchup. Um, he's still a great player, and I'd want a player that talented on my team. But there's a lot to be said for just the roles that guys step into when they're when they're kind of forced to do so. Yeah, definitely. It almost seems like you got two guys who – play such similar roles and that I don't I mean it would just take time for them to develop that rapport and establish whose role is what but and I think Cousins is a free agent this summer so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if New Orleans keeps him around and maxes him out or if he would it will he, he walks because they're gonna they'll be able to give him the best the most money probably with his bird rights yep that's a good point so man. big summer for the Pelicans too. Huge summer for them, man. That's a big decision to make. I think the Rockets could snag him. Obviously, the Lakers. There's some. There's some teams with a lot of money, big yep. cap space. So, um, you know, that's that kind of wraps up the series that we're going to talk about. That, um, you know, the Rockets they uh, kind of took care of the T Wolves pretty pretty easily. The Warriors handled the Spurs, who were without their star Kawhi Leonard. Are these two teams uh, on a crash course for the Western Conference Finals? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have been all season. Um, and nothing that's happened in the playoffs has made me remotely change my mind. The only worry I have, 
for Golden State is that Curry doesn't come back at all or if he doesn't come back healthy mm. enough to make a difference because like we just said Drew Holiday for as much as you know we've created him into this you know NBA superstar now um, he's he is a good defender and if Steph can't play to his you know best capabilities going to be he might be limited and um, another another stat that I saw or heard somewhere was that the Warriors this year are basically a 500 team when Curry doesn't play even with Durant Wow. Thompson, Draymond, but when Curry's not on the floor, they're basic. They're like close to 500, which is that's insane. Yeah, so that's he's shocking. Super, he's super valuable to them. Yeah, he really is. He, I think he's just cool, calm, composed. He's he's the leader. I mean, him and KD both, and he might not provide as much on the defensive end as um, some guards would, but just I mean, three point shooting is shoot, in. Yeah, nobody in the history of the league has shot the three the way he has. No, it's a it's a game changer. It's big time. You can't defend it either. I mean, the dude shoots from forty out. Yeah, and those are worth you know those the math on those starts to add up over time. Yeah, making threes over twos. Dude, seeing him versus Harden in the Western Conference Finals would just I mean I would watch every yeah. minute of that series. Two all time offensive talents. Yeah. With Kevin Durant. With KD in the mix, too. And, I mean, you got Chris CP3. Yeah. That'd be fun. Chris Paul's first conference finals, maybe, if they if they win the next series. Dude, the thing is, I, I really, I mean, if they play Utah, I think the Rockets would play Utah next. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could see Utah potentially beating the Rockets oh, be, because of that be defense. Series, yeah. It's a very different Opposites. yeah, different styles. Houston has a has a pretty good defense this year, surprisingly. Yeah, they do. Capella's uh, nice. Capella's good. Chris Paul's great defender. Yeah, Always has been, you know. Harden's trying. <laughs> so he's at least average. Harden's just so good on offense that nobody cares about how poorly he plays defense. Beautiful thing. It really is. And then over in the Eastern Conference we saw the previously mentioned 76ers take down the Heat with ease, do Boston or Milwaukee have a realistic shot of beating the 76ers in a series, or is it more so one of those things where you're trying to go in there and steal a couple games? Oh, I, um, yeah, for sure. I think they both would have a chance to beat Philly in a series. Not that I would root for that by any means. I think they're a really fun young team to watch. It's kind of who I'm rooting for out of the East just for you know chaos purposes and because Joel Embiid. Um, but – they're very young too. A lot of these guys. This is, you know, that was their first playoff series. You know, they they beat Miami in five, but now as it gets, you know, they're going to be playing possibly Boston, possibly Milwaukee guys. With you know, Boston's like you said, Boston's got probably the best coach in the game. Milwaukee's got Giannis, total superstar. I mean, so there's going to be challenges either way, no matter mm-hmm. who they play. So I don't think uh, that's that that series is foregone conclusion by any means. But I would, I'm sure Philly will be favored over who, whoever they play. But um, no, I think that's going to be a good series no matter who the opponent is. Absolutely. I agree. And it just makes me nervous the way that the 76ers have won, you know, 19 of their last 20 or whatever it is. And they beat the Bucks by like 40 or 50 points late in the season, too. And I, I think we maybe hadn't been like resting some guys, but. I don't know. They're crazy talented, and they've got guys like J.J. Redick, too, who bring some experience and, um, you know, some playoff games with them, which is really important at this time of the year. So that'll be fascinating. Um, I mean, as we've already discussed, LeBron is playing about as good as LeBron has ever played, but Cleveland is not nearly as good as some of the teams that LeBron has been on in the past. So 
at, at this point, it seems that the Eastern Conference is kind of wide open, and um, not only the 76ers have a great shot of winning their next series, but they have a great shot of coming out of the East, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely, and I think that's what is making this playoffs even more intriguing and more fun than years past, because even though that it's always fun to watch NBA playoff games because of the, you know, the emotion and the competitiveness that goes into winning these things it's just it's so cool to see like everybody having a chance we knew Mm -hmm. that the Warriors were probably going to come out of the West the last few years we knew LeBron's teams for the last seven years were going to come out of the East I mean those were always kind of in never in question we kind of knew that that was what was going to happen so this year even even throwing Houston into the mix in the West that's cool because we know we might have a really cool really close conference finals out there and then the east is kind of um, anyone's game like you've got toronto who had this great regular season you have lebron hanging around who's the king until somebody dethrones him mm-hmm. and then you've got this young team in philly and then another young team in milwaukee and yes. and a boston team who had a great regular season but's kind of broken now too mm-hmm. so i mean it's it's really fun to see that it is, man. It's it's such a great time to be an NBA supporter and seeing all this young talent really blossoming. And I, I mean, I, I hear a lot of people talk about how it's all about college basketball and the NBA is not real basketball. You people got to figure it out because there's some incredible basketball being played right now, and there will be for the next what we probably still got another month and a half left of of the NBA season, right? It oh, goes yeah. into June, yeah. two months into the middle of June. It's it's a great. I know I'm I. I'll, Nothing against baseball, big baseball fan, but nobody cares about baseball until after the NBA Finals, really. <laughs> it's true. So it's the weather true. gets nicer. I mean, now you can play some, play some fantasy baseball, but whatever. Yeah, fantasy it's the baseball. NBA's time right now. It is. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to this next month and a half. As am I, man. So before the playoffs started, I recall making a prediction of a 76ers Rockets finals just to be contrarian because I'm sick of the Cavaliers and I'm sick of the Warriors. And I'm going to stick with that because I I just I see the potential. Um do you have any inklings as to what the finals matchup's going to be and if so what do you think? Um I'm picking Golden State to win the West. I know, really, that was tough and bold and brave <laughs> prediction. I just, I, I think once they get Curry back, they turn into the machine that is impossible to stop. It's inevitable. And and I think that they're being careful with him now, but I think he's, I think he's getting close as far as I've uh, read, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the last week. So I think if they get him back, it's going to be uh, the Warriors of the West. And and from the East, I've wrestled with this, you know, I've. Um, I talk about this with Ollie almost every day. You've got LeBron, who how do you say how do you pick against him? And then you have the Sixers team, and then you've got the top seed, the Raptors, and those are kind of the but those are the uh, three. But yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Raptors. Yes, I, I'm gonna. I had a I feeling you would. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think the bench is gonna be big. Um, they have a lot of depth on that team, and they've got a couple guys that are you know all star players, Lowry, DeRozan. I think this is kind of now or never for them. Um, mm-hmm. and I just why not? This is a year where the East is wide open. And, um, I would love to see that. Like I said, I'd love to see that crowd, that the Toronto fan base advance uh, throughout the NBA playoffs. So, uh, Raptors and Warriors, <laughs> they deserve it, man. No doubt about it. And they also, I mean, Valanciunas is also a really, really talented guy who doesn't get talked about enough either. Big center. I think he shoots pretty well from downtown. He's dynamic. So that'd be a 
matchup nightmare for the Warriors too. That'd be interesting. I just know that if we get, if we happen to get the Raptors and uh, Sixers in an Eastern Conference Finals, the Drake and Kevin Hart media circus is going to be ridiculously oh. annoying. So yeah, I'm not interested in yeah. that. Let's. Yeah. How about Bucks and Raptors? <laughs> the Bucks need to revenge the the last few playoff series with the Raptors. So I think that'd be a perfect place to do that in the Eastern Conference Finals this year, because the Bucks still have a chance to make it to the finals and take down either the Warriors, Rockets, Jazz, or Pelicans. So just throwing that out there. Bucks are still in it. Bucks in seven, followed by Bucks in six. Caleb, it's always great. Um, where can our listeners find you on social? Uh, Twitter at CJ Feist. Um, I think. Instagram, I think, is the same thing. Or whatever. Alignment. Yeah. Just try to keep it classy. I love uh, it. Yeah. At, at CJ Feist on Twitter. And um, it's fun, fun getting on here and talking some hoops. Always. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening. Hope you all enjoy some NBA basketball yourselves. Have a great weekend. And we'll catch up with you soon. Bye-bye.